everyone. Welcome to Therefore Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Martin. And I'm Judy Mustaine. And welcome to September. We are starting something just a little bit different today. So in the past, we've talked about different topics, and we've kind of just tried to bring in our, you know, scripture that kind of goes along with our our, our topic and, and to share our opinions and thoughts on those. Today, we uh, we kind of were talking about some different topics, and we just decided we were going to move into a study of, of a book. And so um, our topic, I guess, for the next couple of months is going to be when bad things happen to good people. And we're going to look into the book of Job. And Judy, fun fact, Job is my daughter's favorite book of the Bible. Wow. Yeah. What? I know. I don't even know why we read it when she was very like when she was younger, you know, she's 14 now, but she was younger and, and um, something about it just, I don't know, she, it, it's, you ask her now, what's your favorite book of the Bible? And she'll still say Job. That's incredible. I, wow. I'm like, I hope that's not God like preparing you for something. <laughs> right? Right. Something in the future is not going to go well and you right? need to have this to fall back on. But so what we kind of thought we would do is just talk our way through the first couple of chapters today and see where it takes us. I think uh, the first thing that I, I noticed when I was reading through this is Job is a very wealthy man, and which really isn't all that important, but I think it's funny that, that God it's thought noted. that that needed to be included. Yeah. So he included it, so I guess we should note it. He had seven sons and three daughters, 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and a very large number of servants. He was the greatest man of all the people of the East. I don't know that I've ever noticed that part of the verse before. I don't think I have either, which also shows of his stature in that region. Well, that's a lot of influence. Huh. Anyway, yeah. So um, it, it talks about how the sons would hold feasts in their homes, and they would invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. And then when the feasts were over... Job would send for his children to purify them, say, and he thought, perhaps my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. And so it was his regular practice to offer burnt offerings for them to help purify them. What an interesting practice. Well, yeah, I mean, normal for him. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, we pray for our kids a lot and, and I don't, I don't think there's much more we could do that's more powerful than pray for our kids. But he had a a specific practice of this. Like they knew that after their festivals, right. got to go to dad's house. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> well, because he said, he, he said uh, they might have sinned in their heart. Yeah, might have. I mean, he even knew. Well, might have sinned and cursed God. Yeah, in their hearts. In their hearts. Wow. Does yours say the same thing? Yes. I'm in an NIV. I don't know what your. Yeah, uh, amplified. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. You know, he's so concerned about their relationship, even with the Lord, that he is bring him before the Lord um, a burnt offering, and, and he's praying for them. He's standing in the gap. He's interceding, really, for them. Truly, yes. I mean, and that's what we're supposed to do, but wow. I mean, he's made a – this is a regular practice. This is a norm for him. Right. You know what's interesting about this is that the entire book of Job is really – if we read the Iliad or the Odyssey, we would think of them as epic poems like they have epic adventures and epic battles and all these things job truly is an epic war like that's what's happening here and really what's happening in these very first few verses is that we are setting the background for how job is going to move forward with everything else 
We see it from the very beginning, even before really anything, before we even get started. What we know about Job so far is that he is wealthy and that he is a man of faith, That's it. practicing faith. And he has to be a man of influence in right. his region. Right. So people were watching. People were watching people him. People were watching. And we talk about that yes. not too long ago. Church hurts. People are watching. Man, not much more of a church hurt than what Job's going to go through. Right. I mean, that's not really a church hurt, yeah. but a... So, so yeah. So he um, spent a lot of time praying and offering burnt offerings for his, for his children, who may have just sinned. Maybe. And then um, it says, one day the sons of God, that's what mine says, one day the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And I was looking that up because the sons of God sounds funny to me. And in the OT, the Old Testament, it's really just talking about angels, mm-hmm. angelic beings. Yeah, that's what mine says. Yeah. Um, and Satan came, came along. Yeah. Well, and, you know, and the Amplified, it says Satan, and it, it makes this remark every time that his name is used. It says the adversary and the accuser. Oh. The accuser of the brethren. He's, he's the adversary. He's our enemy. Yes. And our accuser. Boy, isn't that not much more evident than in the book of Job. Yeah. I mean, I think we all have this idea that he's obviously our adversary, but do we always remember that he's the accuser? I think that we sometimes give him more more credit than yeah. he is due. You know, like yes. we blame a lot on him. That's really just our own sin. Yeah. Our own decisions. Yes. Our own. Done. Yeah. Sometimes it's it's that. I mean, it might come with his suggestion, but- we also have those choices to make. We have those decisions to make ourselves. And he is not, he's not opposite of God. He's not, it's not like, it's not like God is God and he's the opposite of God. He's, they're not even on the same. Well, he was created by him. Right. There's just no way to even put them on the same. That's true. They're not rivals. No. Matter of fact, in the New Testament, it says your enemy, Mm -hmm. (laughs) your rival, because I'm, yeah. He's not even equal to me. That's true. It's not God's <laughs> rival. That's true. Yeah. It's not like we would say north and south. No. It, it's not. But he we doesn't have. have that kind of no. authority no. at all. And that's evident here in Job too. He doesn't have that authority. No. He had to go get permission. Anytime authority has been given to the enemy, it's once again, because it's been given, you know, when Adam and Eve at the fall, the authority piece was given to Satan. Right. He didn't just take it. He tricked him out of it. And, you know, Jesus had to die on the cross to go get it back. And he did. And he did. I think it's interesting. And we were talking about this right beforehand. I think it's really interesting that God says, where'd you come from? (laughs) (laughs) It's just a a funny way to, like, what are you, what are you doing here? As if he doesn't know. Right. You know, do you ever, do you think God says that to us sometimes though too? all the time. What are you doing here? (laughs) I always tell people, whenever God asks a question, it's not because he doesn't know the answer. I mean, who would counsel him, right. really? I mean, he wants to know what you're going to say. He wants to know where, where our heart is anytime he asks questions. Yeah. So, yeah. So God clearly allowed Satan to to have an audience with him and then demanded to know what his business was. Like, what are you doing here? What is it you want? Because why are, why are you here? And Satan kind of gives a blasé answer, just roaming the earth. Yeah. Like he's bored. Yeah. Can't figure out anything else to do. And uh, literally just says, I'm roaming, walking back and forth. And um, (laughs) and then of all things, this is what my version says. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? (laughs) What? 
What? I don't like that. Please, God, don't ever don't ever ask Satan if he's considering me because I don't want that kind of pressure in my life. But interesting to me that God was the one who brought up Job, not Satan. It wasn't like Satan was like, well, I've been watching your servant Job and I have something to say about that. But isn't it also interesting that Satan's like, yeah, have been. I mean, it's, uh, I don't know. Do you get the sense that it's like, so here God talking to Satan saying, have you seen Job? Like how godly he is? Yeah. Look at that. Like bragging on him. Yeah. To Satan who, you know, doesn't have a chance of being in that kind of a position with God. Such a weird place to be, I think, to have, wow, for Job to be picked. Yeah. Like bragged on. Yeah. Out of all the people in the earth, he's like, Job, have you considered Job? That he's <laughs> upright and that he abstains from and shuns evil. He said, I know you've been walking around, but I've been watching too. I mean, I wonder if the Lord could say that of us. Would Satan say that about us? Yeah. I can't I mean, imagine. I mean, that you know, Satan, the Lord said, have you thought yeah. about her? Yeah. And for Satan to be like, well, yes, I have. Satan then gets kind of accusatory, though, like, well, yeah, but... Does he want for anything? Yeah. You've given him everything. You've protected him on yes. all sides. Yeah. You put this big, like, this hedge of protection that the rest of us are always praying over yeah. for, like, yes, you gave him that. Like, you have, you know, you've blessed everything he's done. He said, you've given him increase in every area. And so God says, very well. Yes, that's true. Everything he has in your hands, but you don't lay a hand on him himself, on the man himself. And Satan left, just walked out. Yeah. Cool, got it. Isn't it interesting, though, just how Satan had considered Job in the way that he considers all of God's people? I read one commentary that said that Satan considered all the saints of God. Mm-hmm. And like, what does he see when he sees us? You know, because when he looked at Job, he saw not perfection. It couldn't have been perfection. Because if it had been perfection, we wouldn't have needed a Jesus. Yeah. So it couldn't be that. No. But just like we talk about with David all the time, a man after God's own heart, messed up royally. I wonder if he ever looks at them and and is just like in amazement at the differences between the two. Because like when God's talking to him here and he he brings up Job and he's talking about the goodness of Job, everything that just is kind of opposite of Satan, you know, the adversary and the accuser. Like, Isn't it amazing that he had influence even in the kind of intimidating. Yeah. I mean, that he stood so upright before the Lord that the enemy counted him a threat. I mean, could that be said of us? That we stand so upright and for the Lord that we are a threat to the kingdom of darkness. That our lifestyle, that our influence, that the way we do life every single day, that the enemy counts that as a threat. It's one of those things where you see that the blase kind of thing, mostly it it seems to be aimed towards women, be the kind of woman that gets up in the morning and when the feet hit the ground, Satan's like, oh no, she's up or whatever. I mean, do we really have that kind of presence in our lives like do we live in such a way that satan really is like oh no got to focus on that one she's going to do something i mean are we a threat really to the kingdom of darkness with our lifestyle i would like to hope that i am i know but on the other hand i'm like please don't ever offer me up god right which says i mean that says something more about my like you know that's man you want to talk about hurts yeah job's about to lose everything yes and then we're going to spend the next, like, 40 chapters. <laughs> right. It's a long one. Walking him through that. Man, just so much to 
to say about that. So, I mean, literally the next few verses are Job loses his sons and daughters. They were eating and drinking wine at the older brother's house. And a messenger came and said to Job, the oxen were plowing and the donkeys were grazing nearby and the Sabaeans swooped down and took them away. And they put the servants to the sword. And I alone have escaped to tell you. So I don't know if you guys remember how many thousands upon thousands of, you know, we're talking about here, 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and a very large number of servants. And they're gone. And there's one left to come and tell him. Hey, I, I think it's happened. crazy that trouble had to wait in line. <laughs> I mean, really? <laughs> they started at the bottom. Yeah. Worked its way up. And it says while they were still talking. Mm-hmm. I mean, Trouble's just standing in line to get to Joe. Waiting to. Just waiting. Waiting to tell him the next calamity that's come up on his house. I mean. I mean. While he's still speaking, yeah. Another messenger came. The fire of God fell from heaven, burned and consumed the sheep and the servants, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he's still speaking. Right. The Chaldeans formed three bands and raided the camels and took them away. Servants to the sword, and I alone have escaped you to tell you and again while i was he was still speaking another came and said your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine when suddenly a mighty wind swept in from the desert and struck the four corners of the house and it collapsed and they are dead and i alone have escaped to tell you i mean not only did he just lose like everything that made him wealthy all the animals and the you know substance yeah he lost his family i mean he would have probably thought I could have lost all of that. Right. And yeah. kept this and I would have been just yeah. like, this would be just fine. And Job stood up, tore his robe, shaved his head and fell to the ground and worshipped. Worshipped. Wow. Fell to the ground and worshipped. I think this is the giant piece of sacrifice of praise. I mean, how, how often do we sing that song? We bring the sacrifice of praise. Yeah. Do we even know what that means? Mm. No. I don't think I do. I mean, I think yeah. there are people in the world who understand yes. what that means. I'm not one of them. I think it's one of the hardest things to do, you know, because we, when we come into the house of the Lord or just in general and something really hard has happened to us, our first response isn't to worship. No. Our first response is to cry. Yes. Our, sp- our first response is to plead with the Lord and to ask God questions of why this has happened uh, to us. And it's usually not to worship, but that was his first response. Not even a hesitation. It, not it, even it hesitation. Like years down the road, they no. worshiped. You know what I'm saying? Years down the road when he healed, he worshiped. It was, upon receiving the news, I mean, after he's had his quota of hell, I mean, you know what I'm saying? It's literally. I mean, the enemy has pushed his, um, I've been through enough button. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to ring the bell and, and, and quit. And he falls up on the ground and worships the Lord. Don't you wonder what Satan was thinking at that moment? Yeah. Like, I've got him. This is going to be it. Yeah. And then to stand back and watch. It's almost, I mean, this is a very, very, I, I don't even know why the connection has come to my mind, but it reminds me like the Grinch, like not when the Grinch becomes like, you know, but at the end, like after he's stolen all the gifts and everything and he stands up there and he's watching them and then they all start singing right. because they realize that Christmas isn't, didn't come from a store, That's right? I, I mean, do you wonder that he's up there like standing 
outside yeah. watching it all and going. That didn't quite work like I wanted. Like waiting for that moment when he can tr- like be victorious that I caused him to and it doesn't happen. No, it kind of backfires on him actually. Yes. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. you just drove him closer. <clears throat> drove him closer to God. And I mean, yeah, immediately he, he rose towards robe and shaved his head. And that was appropriate for that's, I mean, that's what happened back then. In Leviticus, it talks about how they mourn. And he says he um, he did not cut or gash or tattoo himself for the dead, as was common practice among those ancient people. So that's what he could have done. That's not what he chose to do. He just worshiped. Yeah. Isn't it amazing that this is what I call being bit on stage, the whole world's watching you. And not just the earthly realm. Goodness, that adds a whole other, like, yeah, a whole other dimension to I mean, everything that we talk about. That's what I'm saying. I mean, his influence wasn't even just in the earthly realm. I know I say this verse a lot, but like from the overflow of the heart, the yes. mouth speaks. And from the overflow of the heart. The mouth speaks. Truly for him. Yes. Because that's exact. I mean, it's the first thing he turned to. Right. The very first thing he turned to because it was. I'm with you. I think that if I were in his situation, like trying to put myself in his shoes, I would have turned to God immediately, but I don't know that it would have been in worship. I I don't know that I would have been accusatory. I don't know. I've never been in that kind of a a position. I don't know. But I certainly would have been questioning. Yeah. He didn't do that. No. Well, even in the second verse after that, it says again that he said, hey, the Lord gave in the, the Lord's taken away. Mm-hmm. But the Amplified says, blessed, praised, and magnified in worship be the name of the Lord. Wow, he still can lift his name up. And we can learn from that. <laughs> I, in that next verse, mine says, in all this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrongdoing. Wow. How many times do we blame God for Every bad thing that happens in our life. Isn't that one of those questions, too, that non-believers yes. throw out out there yeah. to us? Well, if there's a God, why does he let bad things happen to good people? I'm not God. No. I'm not God. But I know that there's a big picture. Well, and he gave the dominion of the earth to man. Yeah. We're the one that makes the decisions. <laughs> and we're the ones who messed it up, okay? Yeah. <laughs> But Truly, isn't it I just mean, like us? I mean, the very first thing that Adam and Eve did was blame. And so when anything bad happens in our world that goes against what we want to happen, um, the very first thing that we do is blame. And it's easy to blame God. Which is kind of scary. Like, why is it so easy to blame God? Right. And I just want to say, man, I don't, why, why, do we, why do we do that? I mean, that hurts my heart that we do that. You know, Megan, when I, when I lost my daughter... I would have people come to her service and they would say, you're going to blame God and you're going to be mad at him. Like giving you an, a, yeah, giving like, me an, an, an okay, I yeah, guess, you know, a pass, a, a pass to be mad at God. Like they just wanted to open that door for me, give me permission to be mad at God. And I can remember thinking, I'm not mad at God. I, I don't understand it. I don't like it. Um, it hurts really bad, but I'm, not going to blame the one that's carrying me. I'm not going to blame him. But, you know, in, in that verse 22, it says he he did not charge him foolishly. And I think many times 
I don't know that we do it intentionally or maliciously, but we, we blame God foolishly for the things that happen in our life that we don't like. I don't know that that's okay, but yet we do it. There has to be something, I mean, obviously there is something in us that if, if something happens to a, a child and they don't understand why, they're quick to blame parents. Yeah. Right. Like, I mean, they just do, well, why'd you let that happen? Why, you know, why, why didn't you stop that? Or, you know, whatever. It's just in us to do that. But I think that's part of taking all those thoughts captive, putting your, your focus on God and the big picture and not the, the small picture. And Job is the epitome of that idea of a, of a microscope and a telescope. Like Job can't see beyond. He has no idea what's happening in the telescope here. He has no idea that Satan and God are having conversations about him and that, you know, how, how would that have changed if he had known that? He didn't know that though. And all he saw was that everything was taken away, but yet God is all he needed. That's what he clung to. Yes. And he's healing, like I like to say, in a glass box. Right. Right. Literally everybody, everything is watching. Literally. Literally. That's a big deal. I'm just, it's so intimidating to think that. Heaven and earth are both watching. Watching you. And like, I know that that, like, you know, I know that like, that it's out there, but I don't ever stop to think about the fact that like, you know, I, I think all the time about the fact that my kids are watching me or that others at church are watching me or others in the community or whatever. But good grief. Now I have to worry about the <laughs> spiritual realm too. They're yeah. all going to watch me too. In Ephesians, Paul talks about being able to withstand in the evil day and um, just to be able to stand tall at the end. And Job had does so much to stand. He stood against fear. He didn't give in to the fear. You have to know. I mean, could you imagine? People are waiting at the door to tell him. I mean, could you just imagine after like the second messenger comes through and he's like, now what? You too? You too? I mean, at what point does it become like you just kind of stop focusing? Yeah. Because how much more can your mind take? He didn't give in to any panic. No. He just stood and he, he made a stand against publicly mourning in grandiose manners for attention. Yeah. Like he wasn't, he didn't use it to, to gain sympathy from anybody else. He had an appropriate mourning. He didn't have pride in the whole thing. Like what, how can this happen to me? He never questioned, at least not anything that we can see. We And I think Satan would count that as victory right. if he had. Never questioned. I mean, it says he didn't. He didn't make any charges against God for it. He just worshiped. What a mindset yeah. to have. And he didn't sin with his words, you know, because it says he didn't charge God foolishly. I think some of the quickest things that we do is sin with our words. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. We just talk about We this. say things <laughs> that we should not say um, against our life and against God. You know what else is just kind of devastating to the senses? God strengthened him, but it doesn't say anywhere in there that God comforted him. Mm. And I I think we don't see that for quite a while. Well, I, I think that comes into what comes into play in my mind is, you know, the Bible talks about focusing on the unseen. 
We fail to do that so often. Right. And then that in and of itself is a paradox. How do you focus on things you don't Mm -hmm. see? Yes. You know, but he says to focus on the things unseen. And obviously Job was able to do that by his response. Are we focusing on the things that are unseen? Eternal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, is our response show what we focus on? Should. Yeah. Clearly. And then is that good or bad? You know, do we falter when things happen? I mean, do we fall away? Do we run away from God? Do we curse him? You know, do we say, I'm I'm not going to live this life anymore for Jesus because this bad thing happened to me? Where is it that we give up? Were you the one who was saying that, like, we don't stop eating at a restaurant because... Something bad happened. Yeah, yeah. yeah, You don't just stop going out to eat. Well, you know, even with Lazarus, when Jesus was late. Quote, unquote. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Yes. And his sisters were mad because life had happened to them and they didn't like it. Mm -hmm. And... And he knows they're upset and, and they're upset with him. And once again, they're blaming God, yeah. you know, and he said, take me where you laid him. Take me to the place that you stopped believing in me. You know, take me to the place that you thought I wasn't enough. Take me to the place that you didn't think I was coming back. Take me to the place that you didn't think that I was going to help you through that. Take me to that place because that's where we need to start. That's an excellent example of, of just God's caring and all of that. And we are going to see much later down the road, God comforting Job yeah. and cluing him a little, a little bit on what kind of... It's kind of giving the big picture. Yeah, right. Like, But man, those next many, many chapters are going to be tough. And starting literally in chapter two, it literally says, on another day, yeah. again. The, the sons of God, so the angels, came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan showed up again. And again, God says, where'd you come from? What's going on here? And again, Satan replies, roaming around, walking back and forth in the world. And and then he brings up Job again. Not Satan. God. God brings up Job again. How pleased. Well done, good and faithful servant type of response that God must have had for Job when he just immediately turned to worship. I mean, he knows he's going to respond this way. Right. I mean, because you know that in Job's life, he's had to have trouble somewhere. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. He didn't have not, a perfect, wonderful. Yeah. Thank you. It's not been Kool-Aid coming out of his fountain his whole life. Right. You know what I'm saying? And so he knows that when trouble comes, that he responds this way. I mean, does the right. Lord know that about us? Right. You know, I think people forget that God knows the deepest recesses of our soul like better than we know ourselves better than anybody else can ever claim to know us he knows us but the biggest predictor of future action is past action and so it's good he's he knows he knows this is his common practice and we see that too at the very beginning of chapter one he job was what offering burnt offerings and praying over his children like he was clearly a faithful devout man and yeah so god again says to satan have you considered my servant job there is no one else on earth like him no one else on earth wow like him does yours say that on it does, earth and it says a blameless and upright man who reverently fears god yes and then it says he's mine says and still and still Mine does too. Yep. 
He holds fast his integrity. To me, if you have to hold something, it means that something else is trying to take it from you. Right. Mine says retains. He still retains his integrity. Even though you incited me against him to ruin him without cause. And then Satan's response there. Does yours say this? Mine says skin for skin. Yeah, mine says skin for skin. What in the world? Skin for skin. The reason he says skin for skin is because of what's about to come. Mm -hmm. Because in the first altercation, I guess, or, or what's the word, between God and Satan, their first interaction, he said, you can touch everything, but don't lay a hand on the man himself. And Satan here is saying, well, Job didn't curse you because you, uh, he was afraid that if he did, you would bring personal punishment up to him. Like, so he's afraid of you. That's why he worshiped you. He's afraid of what might come next if he didn't. And so Satan is basically saying that, like, the problem here is that none of these attacks were personal enough. I mean, I'm just saying, like, and I hate to speak this out in the universe because Satan could be very well be listening. But I'm just saying, like, I don't know that there is much more you could do to a parent than that. Like, give me all the warts and blisters you want to. What in the world? And that's that just doesn't that just go to show you something about Satan, though? He has no comprehension of that kind of love well he's not the know all or the see all no there's no omnipotent omnipresent anything about him we give him too much credit it's not in him and he i mean honestly the ability to love could be there but the ability to love like that it's just not in him no just not in him well you know and and the bible says that the nations will look upon Satan and say, you're the one. Like, you? You? So, before we go too far in, I'm always fascinated by things like skin skin for skin. Um, in, in Job's time, it actually was like a trade phrase that they would use for trading their furs and skins of animals, one skin for another. Like, it was a legit thing. So, Satan is actually just using vernacular that was common in their time. So strange to me that he would. Yeah. But so he's saying that he's accusing Job of being willing to risk the skin of his children and his livestock, but not his own. I mean, let's just lay it out online. That's what he's saying. Job would, Job was, would trade his children and his livestock for himself. What in the world? I mean, I'm just, I'm kind of Once flabbergasted that Satan him. would like, like, it's so backwards. It's so backwards to a parent's way of thinking. I was reading a commentary earlier that was talking about other people who had kind of done this, had um, thrown other people under the bus, so to speak, to save themselves. Mm. Abraham was actually one of those. I mean, he betrayed his wife to save his own life. And then his son did the same. Yes. And his son did the same. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Peter did that. Jesus. I mean, (sighs) so. Adam did it. Right. I mean, that's right. There's. There's very much truth to that statement, but. Well, he's called the accuser of the brethren. Yes, that's true. That's true. The accuser of the brethren. He's accusing somebody else for where he's at. Yes. If it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be here. Right. You're the one that caused me to be here. You did this to me. It's always that victim mentality. Yes, It, it really is. It really is. So then, so God says, okay, he's in your hands, but you cannot kill him. So now Satan has permission to harm him, but not kill him. 
it's just the conversation itself is just so convoluted to me. And I just have to keep telling myself, like, I'm I'm worse than Job is on this because it's Job's life. But I'm the one going, what? Why would you do that to him? Like, why would you put him through that? And and Job never did that. Yeah. So so Satan left and, and goes and infects him with these terrible boils from the soles of his feet to the crown of his head. And Job did what? He took a piece of pottery to scrape himself as he sat among the ashes. And his wife said to him, do you still retain your integrity? Curse God and die. It's not real encouraging. No. And she's just the first in a long line of people who are not going to be. What in the world? What in the world? I say that a lot, apparently, this episode. I I can imagine saying that to somebody. That would, I mean. Obviously, her relationship with God wasn't the same. Right. I wonder if it's the same people who told you that it would be okay to be mad at God. It's okay to be mad at God. It's okay to, yes. you know, to, to be angry with him and to. So good. Is that the it's, same thing? I think it is the same thing, you know, because we're, do we really know the character of God in that? I know. Uh, right. I just can't imagine saying that. But then I think, I, and I don't know that, I, I can't remember a time that I have, but I could so easily see that, hear that being said. It's like they say, it's okay to accuse God. It's okay to blame him. But that goes back to the accuser of the brethren. And what does he want us to do? He wants us to blame God. Right. Because if I blame God, then I'm going to move away from who I blame. Right. Because I'm going to move away from who I thought hurt me. Absolutely. I mean, he... That's our natural reaction. Yes. And he's like, well, let me make sure that you blame him. Because my ultimate goal is to get you to move away from him. I'm the one who really stirred all this up and come after you. But I'm going to make sure that you blame God. And look at how our world does do that for everything. Why does God let bad Bad things happen happen. to good people? You know, sometimes when things don't happen, like we think they should happen or in our time frame, we get mad at God. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I always tell people he's not Santa Claus and he's not on my payroll. Yeah. You know, and um, things are not always going to happen like I think they should. And so, wow, isn't it crazy though? This shows us there's a bigger picture. There is a bigger picture. And I, d- I don't always know that. And because I don't know that doesn't give me permission to blame him for the things I don't know. I, I think we make mistakes by doing being so quick to blame God for things that he's not a part of. And then we take counsel from others. <laughs> from unwise. Unwise. Well, I mean, the Bible says of his wife that she was foolish. Yes. <laughs> and and he, sa- he says, you speak as a foolish woman speaks. Yeah. Should we accept from God only good? and not adversity. Could you imagine if we did that to any other relationship? If I cut off every person who ever hurts me or brings something negative or bad to my life or to to the life of someone that I love, I would have zero people in my world. Well, you know, the Bible even says that the rain falls on the just and the unjust. He doesn't tell us that it's going to be a bed of roses. He just says, I'm going to walk you through it. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't even promise that everything's going to go okay all of your life. He just says, I'm going to get you through it. I'm going to, you're an overcomer because I'm with you, that I'll go before you, that I'm there. He always promises that he will be there. But 
what a strategy of the enemy mm. to move us away from by blaming the God who loves us the most. I mean, if I was the enemy, I'd try to get you to blame God for everything that happened in your life. Because we hold on to those hurts. Yes. And then we stay away from God because we're blaming him. We move away from him. And then the influence that we have in our world, we keep God at a distance because of the hurt that came in our life. And then we might have an entire generation that doesn't know Jesus because of the hurt. Of a person yeah. generations back. We read about it so often, but yet when it happens to us, we don't know how to respond. We don't have an appropriate response sometimes. I think that's good. I think what you just said is exactly right. I don't know that we always have the appropriate response. I think that we have been trained to respond in a different way mm -hmm. and that we almost applaud that or we're okay with that. Especially today. It's okay if you blame God. I think that's what they were telling me. Yeah. It's okay that you blame God, but it's not okay. Yeah. It's not okay that I do that. But it was a strategy of the enemy to move me away from the one who loves me the most, to, that right. who's going to walk me through right. the hardest time in my entire life. You know, um, And I think that's it, just it. It is. And that moment when you are the weakest, Satan has no qualms about kicking you when you're down. No, he doesn't fight fair. No. He doesn't play by any rules except for his own. And they're not fair. No. No. But if he can get you to believe that lie, then he has moved you away from the Lord. He's moved your family away from the Lord. Um, there could even be generations that move away from the Lord because of the lie that we believe. And that we move away from the Lord because... Something happened in our world that's very, very hard. It's very hurtful. Um, but he will use it mm -hmm. against the Lord if he can, if we believe it, if we fall for that. Look how different their reactions were. So, I mean, we focus on Job here, but he had a wife who also lost yes. everything. She did. And she was not afflicted with the boils. But I wonder what her response was the first time. Like, yeah. not the first time, but the first four times. When the messengers kept coming, what was her response? And we don't know. We don't hear about that. But obviously you hear the pain. But you, right. She's clearly overcome with pain on this. And now her husband's going through this horrible affliction. And she just about can't take it anymore to watch someone else that she loves go through that kind of pain. I'm not justifying her response. I'm just saying we, we don't get to see her response the first time around. But we see it here, and so clearly she, the the Septuagint that I was, uh, it has a whole a whole lot more to what she says, but it basically says, "How long will you hold out and say I'll wait a little while, expecting the hope of my deliverance? How long are you going to keep saying I'm expecting the hope of my deliverance? For your memorial is cut off from the earth, even your sons and your daughters. So like this is it. You've lost. There's no, there's no legacy coming behind you. You've lost all that." The pangs and the pains of my womb, that, that shows her pain mm -hmm. that she's feeling from losing all this, which I bore in vain with sorrows. And though I sit down to spend the nights in the open air among the corruption of worms, and I am a wanderer, a servant from place to place and house to house, waiting for the setting sun, 
that I might rest from my labors and the pains that now are upon me. Now curse God and die. That's a whole lot more than what is in, you know, my NIV version here. She's got a lot of pain going on there. She's also saying death would be better than this. What are you doing? Like, (laughs) yeah, I mean, well, in that, in that grief process, sometimes you, you do get to those places. mm -hmm. Obviously she was there. Yes. But isn't it? I mean, it's kind of sad because we can see the bigger picture. We can see that Job, Job thwarted Satan's plan, but there was a, an outlier that he was successful with. Yeah. That's heartbreaking. It is hard, you know, because sometimes, you know, things might come against us and we're able to stand, but then we see the same thing might affect our children differently or our spouse because maybe they're not at the same place we are. And that can be frustrating. It is because, I mean, we can stand and and we know we're going to be okay, but sometimes the people in our world don't know that same thing. Right. And that's hard. And, but even in his pain, he was, he spoke wisdom and counsel to her. Yeah. He never called her evil. No. I mean, he never called her wicked or, or put her down in any, I mean, he just said, this is foolish. This is not how we talk. This is not how we do this. We don't, we don't do that. He was a leader. He was a leader for his home. Here he is influencing and his pain. Mm -hmm. Wow. What an incredible man to influence in the midst of your pain. When everything against you, you know, everything in your world is telling you to do the opposite. And here he is encouraging. Do you think she's maybe just annoyed by that? Are you yeah. serious right now? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I, I cannot even imagine walking through what he's walked through and still be able to encourage someone while he's being told, I give you permission yeah. to sin. You know, he talks about... Job does. He says, would we accept all his gifts and not any of the adversity? And so I found this quote that says, shall we poor worms give laws to our Supreme Lord and governor and oblige him always to bless and favor us and never to afflict us? And shall not those great and manifold and long continued mercies, which from time to time God has freely and and graciously given us compensate for these short afflictions. We have some changes coming in to our church family in general. And, um, you know, with changes, there's always like a little bit of unrest in, in the transitions, but we had a worship time on Sunday morning. That was just what I needed personally. Every song I'm telling you was about how God is unchanging and how he provides. And, you know, he's always faithful and it was just one of those days that I needed that reminder that like, no matter what, he's unchanging. He's the same God who was here 10 years ago, now will be forevermore. He's the same God. He's the same God who saw me through my divorce, who saw me through, you know, raising a child, who saw me through growing to myself and like all the stupid decisions that I've made and, and, you know, the bad decisions and the, and the good decisions. He's the same God who has been with me through it all. But yet we forget that in our moment of trouble. It seems like it's easy for us to forget. Pain seems to. To have short memories. Yeah. We do. I really think it's a big deal if we are able to give him, literally, this was a sacrifice of praise, you know? Um, and I, I can remember when I was 
pregnant with my oldest son and um, some things had happened in my body and I called my aunt who was um, a nurse and she told me, she said, Judy, um, I think you've most likely miscarried. Oh. Um, I can remember leaving church and going home and and all these emotions going through my heart and and I was laying on my bed and I, I just lifted my hands in, in the air and just began to worship him with tears running down my face and not understanding um, what was going on, um, scared. Mm-hmm. And I can remember as I laid on my bed, I can remember thinking, so this is what a sacrifice of praise is, you know, in my pain. It's the only time that I can give that kind of a praise, you know, and I can't always give a sacrifice of praise, you know, and what a, I I don't know, I'm sure that the Lord was like, that's what I'm talking about. But man, my body didn't feel that. My feelings were not. You know, they were just really all over the place, and I can I can remember just weeping um, on the inside and the outside, and and just just praising the Lord. And um, the next day, I I went to the doctor, and obviously my son is still here with right. us, and and he's an incredible uh, blessing to me. But I didn't know that at the time. Yeah, and I was told something different just um, because we didn't know. Yeah, but I could have easily went into a downward spiral, and um, trying not to get there was right. I mean, you really have to pull those thoughts into captivity. Yeah. You really do, because it's easy to go down. Right. Ah, yeah. Yes, it is. It is. And I don't know if you had people around you like Job did here, but his wife was just the first yeah. of the naysayers here. Um, when you're talking, will you move the mic closer up maybe, or like, will it go up? Yes. Your Sorry. lines are, no, you're good. I think it maybe dropped down as okay. you were speaking because I didn't notice it before. No, you're good. Is but, it better? Yes. Okay. Yep. Sorry you're about making, that. No, you're good. I think it probably just like, okay. you know, over yeah. time. Like, and anyway. I, I just have to leave at 525. I know. Okay. I, I was just thinking we're about to run out of, but no, we're almost no, to the end of the good. chapter. It's, no, you're good. I, I didn't want you to think that I was like. No, I know. You're good. I know. Um, so he has his wife telling him curse God and die. And then his three friends show up and they heard about all of this adversity and they came to him and they came, um, they went to sympathize with him and to comfort him. Right. And and the Bible even says that they made an appointment together. Oh, (laughs) that's great. They made an appointment together to go. Right. They're going to go help him. They're going to, yeah, they're going to go cheer him up and, and do their best to, to make him feel better. And then it says that they could barely recognize him. Yeah. And they began to weep aloud, tearing their robes, throwing dust in the air over his head like he's dead. Yeah. I mean, that's what Job did when his family died. And that's what they're, they don't, they haven't even talked to him yet. They just saw him in the distance and they're like, this is, this is it. Right. So they sit on the ground with him for seven days and seven nights no one spoke a word to him because of how intense his suffering was. What? No one talked to him? They just sat there? I mean, it's like they started out with the best of intentions, and then they started... Well, I think the reality of what has happened, you know, it's one thing to hear it. Right. 
and then to go see it though and yeah and he's not recognizable at all I mean I think it's like when we hear about natural disasters and things that have happened in our nation mm -hmm. and we see that on TV or you know we hear that but then when you're there yeah maybe maybe we've just got up and we've you know felt like the Lord has wanted to, us to go there and we end up there and then all of a sudden it's it's really hard to grasp all those emotions and wrap them up in a right. in a box because um, it's a lot bigger than that and um, isn't it amazing that a TV screen can't portray that you know right. we can't portray what what we see but so much until we get in the midst of it you know my twins went to Kentucky on a missions trip and and, and when they went, also when they went to Africa, it was one thing to, to see it, but when they stood there, you know, um, when my oldest son went to Auschwitz in Poland, you know, he called me after he had went to the concentration camp. And, you know, it's one thing to read about mm -hmm. the concentration camp. Um, it's one thing to watch documentaries about it, um, to research it. But, you know, when he called me, he said, Mama, I don't even know that I have words to tell you how I feel right now. And I would wonder if it's something similar. Yeah. When we first started talking about this, I was thinking of um, the Joplin tornado. So I like to call it the Joplin tornado. I actually lived in Joplin during that time. It didn't hit my house, but we were actually out of town that day. And so we had watched it on the news and from my parents' house about an hour and a half away. And we were still going home that night. So on our way home, we went on the very, very outskirts of Joplin. But there were things that night that I saw that I could never, I don't ever want to see again. And I've never been in a, a position of like that kind of overwhelming mass grief, you know, that, um, that we went through as a community after that. But very similar. I saw it on TV, thought I knew what I was going home to. I did not know no. what I was going home to. You know, Megan, I seen that same thing happen in a friend of mine. They went through um, one of the tornadoes in Moore, Oklahoma, mm -hmm. and it just like seriously missed their home. Oh, and as we They're crazy how that happened. Yes, I, I mean literally like a block over. Right. It, it's take. It's just so crazy how yes. it can. And, you know, and when yeah. I went there, it was one thing to hear about what, when I went there and she drove her, she drove us around. Um, she just began to weep as she drove us around at the devastation. And, and it was so different than seeing it or hearing it. But when you're standing in the midst of it, of the devastation, it was just what these friends were doing now. Yeah. It was one thing to hear he had had, had devastation to happen, but now... He's, they're standing in the midst of his devastation. Our next, like 34, 35 chapters are all this conversation that happens between them. So for seven days and seven nights, they sat with him and they didn't talk at all. But now we're going to have 30, 30 something chapters about their conversation. There's a lot of reasons to admire his friends. You know, they came because some people just don't come. I mean, yeah, that's, they don't know what to do with that. Right. And so they, they avoid. So even the fact that they just showed up in the first place is something to be admired. And maybe just them not even saying anything was something to be admired. Right. Like sometimes. I just need you to sit with me. And they, yeah, they, they're admired for 
that their compassion for Job, that they wept for him and with him, um, you know, that they had the best of intentions. But I think we're going to see that the best of intentions aren't, well, first of all, I think we'll see that they have a lack of understanding because they thought, they think that he's being punished mm-hmm. for something. You know, Megan, I, I seen that a lot when I was walking throughout that grief process with my daughter. Um, many people had good intentions. Mm-hmm. Um, their words just weren't always comforting. Right. Yeah. And I can remember like they would, they would say things and it would kind of hurt my heart because I was in this high stage of grief and I was really struggling with, and I was very, very sensitive to anything um, that was said. And I was just broken, just shattered. And I can remember just having to remember that their heart was right. They meant well. It just didn't always come out right. that way. And I think if people are walking through grief to remember that, that not everybody knows what to say. And sometimes they don't say the wonderful things that we wish they would. And sometimes they say the complete opposite. Mm -hmm. But I think if we just remember their heart and that their motive is good. This whole idea that he was being punished for something. Do you think that's something we still see today? Yeah. People, I think, feel that all the time. Yeah. This happened because I whatever. And they forget that the character of God is a good father. Yeah. I mean, he's righteous. Yes. He's righteous, but his goal is to have that relationship with each of us and that none shall fall away. We'll come back to that next week. We'll be talking. um, We'll jump into, I guess, chapter three and we'll see how that conversation starts. But for now, Job and his friends are just sitting there in the silence waiting to see what's going to come from it all. I have no idea how to end this one. Do we have a challenge? Do we have anything? So how do we respond when trouble comes? You know, what should our response be? What has it been in the past? How do we respond when trouble comes knocking on our door or at times may seem like it stands in line Mm -hmm. to reach us? How should we respond? How do we respond are you a Job or a Job's wife? Wow. And I don't think any of us could blame her. No. Like, we can't blame her for that. No. In fact, I can fully empathize. But the response was so different. So vastly different. So we will pick up with that next week. We hope that you guys will come back and join us and have an excellent week. We'll talk to you guys later. Bye.